Alright everybody, welcome back to Squad Tactica Episode 7. It has been a little bit longer than I would like, but don't fret, I am not going anywhere. I am totally going to be doing Squad Tactica Weekly. In fact, I'm actually going to be putting out two episodes this week, so this is going to be a recap of the games I played with my friend at the Warhammer Citadel store at Grapevine, and then the next episode, I was actually requested to make a new player-friendly episode, so we're going to be doing that. But another big piece of news that I'm really excited to announce that I've actually been working on for the past couple weeks in, you know, behind the scenes is I actually have two brand new sponsors for the show that I am extremely proud to talk about because I think that these two companies are really, really good for people who are interested in Kill Team. So the first one I'm, I'm really excited to talk about, and you probably know who these people are, and that is Battle Foam. I am absolutely excited to announce that I am working with Battle Foam as a sponsor for Squad Tactica. So, you know, cheers, excitement, big coupon and to celebrate that we actually have a coupon code that's good until October 14th for 10% off all the stuff you want from Battlephone that's kill team related so in the show notes I'm going to be posting the link and I'm going to be posting the coupon code for those of you listening who don't want to go find out what that link is whatever it's BF squad OCT 18 now I'm I'm beyond excited because I use Battlefoam. I love working with them. It's a really great company. They have quality. And I mean very sincerely, they have some of the best, if not the absolute best stuff on the market. I, I'm a kind of working on and I'm also a big fan of the magnetize your base and then stick it on a metal tray thing. So technically that's not foam, but you can put it in a foam bag. But outside of that, for like storing some um like horde-ish based armies since my uh, living space is kind of tight so I don't have you know tons of space to put a bunch of bags everywhere other than that the bags I do have and the bags I'm going to be purchasing for, you know from here on out for the rest of my life as far as I can tell is going to be through and with battle foam so that's my first sponsor that I'm really excited to talk about and just kind of gush over a little bit and if you've never heard of battle foam please 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 go check out their website at battlefoam.com once again all this stuff is going to be in the show notes but if you're looking for a, a superior way to carry and transport your kill team i highly recommend using their foam i i got my hands on that 35 dollar games workshop approved uh, case thing that I talked about when the, you know the game was kind of in pre-release mode and they were trying to show off all the cool stuff you could buy. I mean, it looks cool, but in all honesty, like if you have minis with like tips or um, I, I don't know how to explain, it. if they have like flourishes, you know, they have like wings or they have like spikes on their helmets, or you're doing something like Harlequins where they have these really dynamic poses. It's really hard to fit. All of those comfortably in like you can fit five models in that $35 case but the foam's not my favorite and it's not super hard and like putting all my plague marines and my pox walkers it's just it doesn't work so you know I, I've moved on to a different you know option because I just borrowed a friend of mine's and stuck my models in and it didn't fit and I was like yeah I'm probably gonna you know get something else so anyways battle foam definitely check them out. I highly recommend it. And, you know, if you're looking for something, I can help you get 10% off because they're awesome. So the next sponsor that I'm really excited to talk about is DiscountGamesInc.com. They've got a ton, and I mean a ton of stuff that is Kill Team related. They've also got things for Infinity, Malifaux. They've got board games, card games, like hordes, you know, all kinds of stuff. If you're listening, you're like, well, I don't really, you know, need anything for Kill Team. They've got stuff for minis, just period. You know, if you need paints, they got it. 
if you need you know other things for other games they've got it but i'm going to be getting all my kill team stuff from them from here on out so i can highly recommend these guys are really professional they're super nice they get the job done and i think it's going to be a lot of fun working together with discount games inc and battle foam because Basically, you can get your stuff from Discount Games Inc. Like, you can get all your minis and then transport it with Battle Foam, and it's a great deal. Also, what's really cool is Discount Games Inc. doesn't, like, sell these things for MSRP. They do have a, a slight discount. I'm not exactly sure what it is. I didn't ask. I'm assuming it's, like, uh, like 15 20%. Like, I'm, I'm terrible with math. But, like, for example, they have a $45 kit of, you know, Warhammer models, and it's 38 bucks. Hey you know, I love it. I'm all about it. They're here in the United States. It's, you know, central to America, blah, 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 you know, long, long-term discussion short. This is going to be great for anyone who's trying to get into Kill Team. If you're on a tight budget, they can get it to you quickly. They can get it to you under MSRP. So you're going to save a little bit of money and, you know, help support a local game store. So with all that being said, Super excited. From here on out, we're going to be working with Battle Foam, Discount Games, Inc. to create the premier, ultimate, super duper deluxe edition. Well, not really, but we're just going to have a lot of fun talking about Kill Team here on Squad Tactica. So let's get into it. I'm really excited because there's a lot of content to cover and a lot of things to discuss. All these games, I'm going to say right now, were pre-FAQ, and we're going to talk about that a little bit after we discuss the games because the things I experienced and then the FAQ that came out are going to you know work together in tandem because I'm going to be going back to the Citadel shop next week to play games with my my buddy and you know some of the FAQs do affect me because I you know as most people will know I play Plague Marines, Death Guard, woo woo and those guys are crazy. They're just flat out redonkulous. I don't think they're like OP, OMG, please nerf, bat, these bad guys, but boy they're fun. Super duper 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 fun, and I I feel comfortable in saying that this is one of my favorite quote-unquote budget-esque armies. Now, in all reality, like, buying two boxes of models is, to me, personally, it's very budget-friendly. You can get into Kill Team, as I've said many times before, for under $100. I've bought one box of Plague Marines and one box of the $15... Um, Super easy to assemble pox walkers. I don't remember what they're called, like technically, but basically it's $15 for six models. And between playing with only the Death Guard and then the Death Guard and pox walkers, and then like a mix and like a hybrid of, you know, shooty, melee, figuring out where that works, I've had a lot of fun. And I've discovered that there is a lot of, there's a lot of options I can swap in and out with just those two things. And I mean, that's that's not, like I said, it's never been cost prohibitive. I bought the Pox Walkers last week, so I just started playing with them. And I feel like those two investments were totally worth it because I, I feel comfortable with a those those only purchases, that box of Pox Walkers and the box of Plague Marines. I feel comfortable to say, like, for me, that's a perfectly fine army, like, for a long time. I don't need to get more models. Now... My uh, my friend and I, his name is Dave, he actually got the 8th edition rulebook, and I had a listener send me the 8th edition rulebook for free, which, my goodness, thank you so much, you're an amazing human being, and I'm so thankful, so shout outs to, to you, but um, we're, we're probably going to play some 8th edition here in the next month or so after we, you know, get our armies kitted out and figure out what the codexes are, we want to play and all that, so long story short, 
we're going to get back to Kill Team because there's there's oh, there's so much in Warhammer to talk about. I love this game. I love the universe. I love the people because it is just a ton of fun to meet new people and play games and just talk about the lore and our favorite moments and, and so many different things that have nothing to do with the game. But I keep rabbit trailing. We're going to get back into the game because this is a podcast about Kill Team and Kill Team related stuff. So game one, we're sitting down. I'm going to be playing Harlequins. My buddy Dave is going to be playing uh, Imperial Guard with Scions and a couple of Las Guns, mostly Scions because he's playing the Heavy Plasma game. And in previous episodes and previous games that I've played, I I hate Plasma. I For those of you listening, and I know some of you are big IG fans and, you know, woohoo IG, whatever, but that Plasma sucks. And the reason why it sucks is because negative AP is terrible. <laughs> it's terrible when you have a three up armor save and your opponent's gun has AP negative three and now you basically have a t-shirt save, but you're paying points for Space Marine armor and it's just lame. So with Harlequins, I heard a lot of people saying, oh, they're OP, they're god tier, they're super broken, blah, blah, blah. I've actually had Harlequins since they were metal models. So, you know, that that kind of stamps me as a, as a player. And it gives me a timestamp and a date, but I like Harlequins. I like their color scheme. Actually, if you get to know me, a lot of the armies I pick are based on their color scheme and their lore. I don't particularly like Tau is the only army I picked purely on how the army played. Because when I first got into the game, I always liked playing long range shooty armies. But ever since then, they all they don't like. They, I'm never gonna say they play the same, but all of their like fundamental strategies to me aren't so prohibitive that I can't play them. So I'll look at an army and say, is this a fun army to play? Does this look cool on the tabletop? Um, is there like, like orcs I picked purely on lore. Orcs are hilarious to me, but Harlequins just looked cool. They, they just looked fantastic with the color schemes you can do. You can, you can do all kinds of different things. Like they're, they're super flexible in how you like, build them in terms of like their paint scheme you can have them be super melee based they can be like flexible in terms of mobility like they just do a lot of different things so i brought harlequins to the table and i just basically i'm pretty sure i think it was like i bought six models they were all exactly the same um i kitted them out with the harlequins kiss and that was pretty much it because i kept the fusion pistol which I thought about using the shuriken pistol, but that that never really came into play where it was relevant because when you're playing on such a small board and the Harlequins not only can move 8 inches, but they can charge 3d6, that is a very significant number. And you can easily get the Harlequins into melee combat turn 1. And if you, if you can't get them on turn one, you just hide them behind walls. And then turn two, you just run in and let your opponent have it. So I'm bringing six Harlequins. My buddy had um, IG is insanely cheap. So I believe it was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I believe it was like 10 models. He definitely had more models than I did. And I knew that he was bringing a Power Fist. I knew he was bringing a lot of Plasma. And then a Vox Caster for comms so he could hit on you know, threes, fours, threes and fours if my my Harlequins were out of range or they were obscured. So I was basically not getting any kind of bonus. And so initially, 
like we were playing on the graveyard that you saw in some of the pictures on the Facebook page. And this is a really, really, really cool battlefield because there's a couple little crypt things. I'm pretty sure these are from the Age of Sigmar, like the pieces of terrain we were playing with. But for the most part, you have like gates that you can see through. There's a couple very small walls that you can hide like one model behind. So it was a very, it looked kind of like a paintball field. If you've ever watched professional paintball, you've got very frequent amounts of terrain, but they're small, so only one person can realistically hide behind a given piece of terrain. They're called like pills. And then some of them are bigger, like a Dorito or like this little box thing. And you can hide one or maybe two models behind it. But the, the concept was we wanted to keep the field relatively sparse for terrain because in previous games we've been playing with city-based terrain and there were walls, there were levels, there were layers, and there was just way too many places for people to hide. And it would be very common for us to hide, you know, one or two models completely out of sight. And so the game was just kind of boring because it was like, oh, my one guy can see your one guy. We just roll dice and things happen. Like that's that's not an exciting game when not not much is happening. So we decided to make an adjustment and we said, fine, we're going to play on a, a, uh, a level playing field. So there's no height advantage. There was no terrain you could climb up. Everything was just kind of on this, this foundational level. Um, the terrain was significantly more see-through, like there were gates, there were like knee-high walls, chest-high walls, basically ways where you could see a majority of your opponent's kill team at any given moment. You you could be, you know, more than half of the distance away and have obscure bonuses, but you couldn't just like hide for the entirety of the game. So the, um, the Harlequins versus the Imperial Guard, the, um, the setup we played was every model you kill, you get a victory point. And then if you run your model all the way to your opponent's side of the table and then off of the table, your model counted as two victory points and it didn't count against your uh, morale check if you were trying to see if you were broken because you know a model was off the table because they were incapacitated so the game goes uh until four rounds and then after that you roll a d6 on a three up you keep going and so on and so forth so like the first round was i go first and it was basically me trying to figure out how to get as many harlequins within range of my opponent for a melee attack on turn two without getting destroyed by just you know fire firepower you know there's there's 10 guys i don't need i really don't need 10 shots to come through well i should correct myself the guns actually have more than one shot some of them are rapid fire and whatnot so the idea was I really need to make sure all 10 of these models cannot shoot whatever they want. I can't prevent certain shots from being fired, but I can prevent where they're fired. So what I did was I moved three of my Harlequins to the left, three of my Harlequins to the right, and I bunched them up behind a wall. So basically at any given moment, only like three of his models could see three of my guys so instead of all 10 models firing at me he only fired six shot six models uh, some of them had a single shot some of them had multi-shot but the point was I was able to instantaneously reduce his output by 40% which was important because I don't have that many models and he obviously has better firepower than I do in the shooting phase like that's the strength of that list 
is your your Tempestus Scions have access to really good shooting weapons. They're pretty bad, honestly, in melee combat, but you know we're not going to talk about that. So let's talk about the um, specialists I brought. Clearly, I have a leader. I brought a combat so that I got plus one attacks. So your your Harlequins are pretty ridiculous. So they move eight inches. They have a weapon skill of three, and then they have four attacks base. Well, with a combat dude, you have five attacks base, and you know when you're running into Imperial Guard, they're not the toughest. Now, of course, this does change when you're running into, say, you know, Marines who are toughness four. But your strength three versus their toughness three means you are rolling force to hit. And well, actually, that's that's not actually true. So your Harlequin's Kiss has a strength of three. So your weapon skill is threes to hit. And then you have a strength of four versus their toughness of three. So it's threes to wound. So it's it's a significant difference between having a three to hit four to wound and a three to hit three to wound because if a a uh, a three up is basically a sixty six percent chance repeating that you're going to hit. So when you swing in with four dice, that generally means two of those dice are going to hit on. If you're lucky, you get that that third die. So you're like, okay, three of these attacks go through. And then on top of that, you have to roll again to wound. And so on on average, one to two of those attacks are going through. Now, I know that's not like perfect math. And, you know, it's not like 1.64 dice attacks go through and all that. You know, there's, there's significantly better math. I'm just kind of spitballing it here just to give you an example of how powerful harlequins are in melee combat they're not a shooting army you have pistols and that's fine just so you can kind of run down the field shoot but you really really want to get into melee combat because that is the strength of the harlequin they have more attacks than the average model they're they're not the toughest like they're not the strongest like weapon skill three is good that's that's a that's an meq that's a marine equivalent so that's kind of like the flatline standard for what you want you want to hit on threes but you really want to wound on threes because that just means more dice are going through and that means more armor saves that your opponent has to deal with. And what's really crazy is the Harlequin's Kiss has AP negative one and damage D3. So your your attacks going through, say, against a Marine, it turns their three up armor save into a four up armor save. And that's significant. On top of that, if the damage goes through and you get lucky... At the worst, you're dealing one damage, but at the best, you're dealing three damage. And that's something a lot of people, I think, need to start to understand if they haven't already, because there's plenty of people listening that I don't know what your experience with Kill Team is. You might be playing your first game this weekend. You might have played your thousandth game. So I just want to approach everyone at the same level and say damage on a weapon is extremely important because you need to kill models as fast as humanly possible. Like, throwing flesh wounds on a model is great, but the model is still there, which means they can still shoot, they can still melee, there's still a body that you have to deal with, and that's not not a lot of fun, especially when you have things like flamethrowers, which auto-hit. So if you've got, you know, one flesh wound, two flesh wounds, three flesh wounds, you just don't even care because your weapon is automatically going to hit and you just start rolling for damage. So... Like, you really need to make sure that models that your opponent has with flamethrowers, especially, 
anything that they've got that is just auto hit, you've got to kill them as fast as you can because the longer that model stays on the table, the more value your opponent is going to get out of them, especially if they've got flesh wounds on them because the whole point of a flesh wound is to make that model worse. Like, they're, they're bleeding, there's body parts missing, there's a chunk of their shoulder just obliterated, and it's kind of I mean, like, thematically it makes sense, but also it's kind of dumb that, like, you have, like, three flesh wounds, you're dying, you're not going to make it, and you still hit at 100% ratio with your flamethrower. Like, oh, okay, sure, that makes sense, I guess. Whereas your super hyper-expensive buddy over there, that's a combat medic, it's a specialist that's been in all these games, and you've prepped and primed, and they've got a couple flesh wounds, and is clearly a better you know, thematic character than you are, they they get negative penalties to roll, you know, because of flesh wounds and distance and obscurity and all that stuff, and you're just like, no, I'm cool, man, I got a flamethrower, like, <laughs> anyways, so, going back to the Harlequins, using that kiss is really, really good against anything with toughness three, because you just run in, you weapon skill three up, and then your strength four, going for three ups to wound, and then they have a negative one AP on their armor save. So generally, generally you're going to get a kill. Uh, on a really bad day, you still get a flesh wound. Not the end of the world. So basically, turn one, run up the field, split left, split right, three and three, and my po Dave goes, all right, so he shoots a couple guys over here, shoots a couple guys over there. Uh, unfortunately, he takes on my leader. Not the end of the world, but it's kind of like, oh, that's not good. And he puts a flesh wound on another one of my guys. So I'm down to five models with one flesh wound. So I'm fine. Totally fine. Because I'm going to get melee combat going round two. And I'm going to start killing things. And it's going to be great. So we start round two. I win the roll off, which means I go first. And I, I, <laughs> I cannot express to you how powerful flip belts are pre nerf and i guess we can kind of talk about that a little bit now so the original flip belts basically so they read uh, i'm reading the rule book as printed so it says quote this model can move across other models and terrain as if it were not there they basically took that and terrain part out for the faq so that way your flip belts aren't allowing you just to phase through um buildings i guess is the best way to put it i mean it's kind of weird because like when you're playing on the kill team especially especially when you have eight inches on top of like if you advance like you can move eight inches plus six inches like that's a lot of inches that's what 14 inches that's depending on which way you're playing the game if you're playing long or wide that can be more than half the battlefield well I, you don't really need flip belts to phase through things when you can move eight inches baseline and even if you roll a one nine inches on a move is is ridiculous like anyways i i know some people are like well the flip bell is really overpowered and all that stuff and you know i guess it does depend on what kind of table you're playing on it really depends on what kind of terrain you're using and when we're talking about the graveyard there wasn't any terrain that impaired my movement it was all like chest high walls so flip flip belting over them was never a problem because I could move so far down lane that like okay basically the point I'm trying to get to is like with with OG pre errata flip belt you could just go straight 
like eight inches straight through, boom, you don't you can ignore any kind of train, any kind of model, doesn't even matter. Now with the the ability taken away where you can't just phase through terrain, you technically have to maneuver around said terrain. But with eight inches, you can move so much further than the average model, especially if you're advancing on average, that it really doesn't seem to matter, at least not to me. I was always rolling at least two inches or more, and moving 10 inches down a 20, 20 inch by 33, like it's, it's, to me, it's not nearly as relevant. Even though my opponent was sitting all of his guys on the backfield, by turn two, I was able to get all of my, my Harlequins into melee combat. So, be, be that as it may, flip belt or not, I don't feel that the flip belt nerf is, like, prohibitive. Now, if you were to play, like, a 40-inch by 50-inch table, that is different because you do want to go as far as you possibly can. But when you're on, like, a 20-inch by 32, 33-inch board, 8 inches is, even 9 inches at the worst is really really good especially when most like most generalized setups and deployments for you know open play narrative play match play you're you're still a couple inches in like usually you're like three to six inches deep into the map so if you if you didn't even roll your advanced die and say you're six inches in and then you move another eight inches that's 14 inches and then if you advance another inch or two that's 15 or 16 inches like you're going to be very, very close to your opponent. In fact, you're trying to be just far enough away where they can't, like, countercharge you on turn one. Because, like, I actually advanced... I, my, my advance rolls were so high, I could get right in my opponent's face. But the problem is then he could just charge me, and that would be stupid. Of course, with a shooting army, he's not going to do that. But I really don't want to set up his power fist guy to be able to like charge me turn one, and then it's like, oh, cool, power fist to the face. Like you, you really want that that ability to charge in, especially when you're running your your zealot, because they get that extra bonus when they charge. You get that plus one strength, plus one attack. So you really, really don't want to get charged. You really want to set yourself up so you're out of line of sight. And that way, you're basically setting everything up so that by turn two, you hope you go first. <laughs> because if you don't go first and you get charged, it feels really bad. Uh, that didn't happen, so it wasn't a big deal. But you are basically hedging your bets. You have to be very cautious and make sure you don't, you know, preemptively screw the pooch and do something where your opponent just, you know, shoots you, charges you, and you just kind of sit there and go, oh, bummer. So anyways, turn one, I lose a guy, take a flesh wound, not a big deal. Um, big thing about Harlequins, and this is also kind of a thing I hated about Orcs, which was my third game we played, uh, Scions versus Orcs. Invulnerable saves are really good. Really, really good. Or like for Death Guard, you have your armor save and then essentially feel no pain. So yeah, anyways, let's talk a little bit more about... The game and just kind of I guess it's so interesting because there's so many different facets to Kill Team to talk about and there's so many different things that one could discuss on a podcast because there's there's just so many different things that can happen 
in terms of the outcome of a game. You know, we each play for different reasons, we each play with different armies, and that's what really excites me about Kill Team and, and 40k in general is it's it's about your experience with your army, the way you paint it, the way you narrate it, the way you, you perform, you know, your, your stratagems and your tactics, and you do all kinds of things, really makes miniature games so, so amazing. But in terms of invulnerable saves, the reason why I like them so much is because you you definitely need ways to deal with super high negative AP weaponry. There's there's a reason why your opponent is paying a lot of points for a plasma weapon or a melta weapon. And in a tournament setting, even in a fun setting, it feels really, really bad to build a team of space marines. We'll, we'll just use my space wolves, for instance. The one game that I just got completely obliterated with and really didn't have that much fun, I, I ran straight into... Melta weapons, I ran straight into plasma weapons, I was a doofus, and getting hit with negative 3 AP hurts so bad, because you go from, oh, I paid 12, 15, 16, 18, 19 points for this model with a 3-up armor save, to, oh, I'm saving on a t-shirt save of 6-up, I'm very unlikely going to be saving wounds, and those melta and plasma weapons on average deal 2 damage. So that means you're rolling two dice and you take the worst result, which generally means a dead model. It's very, very hard to roll two dice and keep both of them at one, two, or three. So we're, we're going to talk more about damage profiles later on. But the, the big thing you should always be thinking about when you sit down from your opponent and you start putting those models on the table, where are their best AP negative X weapons? And what the heck are those numbers? Because if they've got something that's got like AP negative 3 or higher, you absolutely need to either stay out of range and sight of that weapon or kill that model as fast as humanly possible because they are going to make your life miserable. Now, with Harlequins, that is different because I've got a 4-up invulnerable save. So you can shoot all the weapons you want. You can use all the high AP weapons you want. You can spend as many points as you want. I don't give a flying flip belt about what you're doing because I've got a 4-up invulnerable save, which means, yo bro, don't care about your AP dog. Now, not everybody has it, not everybody has access to it, so if you're playing an army and you're like, well, Sugi, I don't have access to invulnerable saves, my condolences, then you're going to have to go back to what I said prior and figure out how to keep your models alive by not just doing what I did and run face planting into pulse rifles going, oh, here we go! And you get shot with AP negative three and you're like, oh, my leg. And, you know, your models are dying left and right because you were a bad commander, like I was. So, anyways, I'm going to talk about the um, the match play mission. It's called Terror Tactics. It's page 59 of the rulebook. You can look it up for all of the deployment, battlefield, victory conditions, all that stuff. Basically, it was a very, um, we, we have a term for it, but it's a very dice chucky kind of mission. Um, if I really wanted to play a stally kind of game, I would play a, a big game of 
you know, eighth edition where, you know, it's a long drawn out process. Like the, the, for me personally, the point of kill team is you sit down, you play a game, you chuck dice, use good strategy, and then you're done in like 30 minutes, maybe 45 tops. I, I don't want to be playing kill team for two hours. If I'm going to be doing that, I feel like I've done goofed horrendously, especially in a one-on-one. Like if you're playing like three or four players, that is different because you're, you're kind of adding extra time in per player and there is, you know, discussion and strategy and all that stuff. But, you know, when I'm playing with Dave, we know each other for years. He was a groomsman at my wedding. We've been buddies since college. We know we want to just play some games, knock them out, have some fun, and then bring new armies to the table. So Terror Tactics was an excellent choice. I really like this mission because it's very straightforward. It's very succinct. Whoever's army breaks first loses. If no one's army breaks, you go to a victory point, you know, scoring methodology, which is, like I said, every model you kill is a victory point. Every model you run across the board and off the table is two victory points. So you are trying to do multiple things at the same time, not die, get some kills, get some models off the table and get to the point where hopefully your opponent has no way to beat you. So we go back to turn two. Long story to get to turn two. I go first. Feels great. Charge all my dudes. They get in, nobody dies. One of them does take a flesh wound from Overwatch because the IG have, I believe it's a tactic that they can soak command points to hit on a five or six during Overwatch. And of course, you're going to do it with your best weapon, which is a plasma weapon so that you can potentially get a kill. I got lucky. I didn't get killed. I did take a wound. I rolled two dice on the uh, injury chart and I rolled like one and two. So my guy didn't die. The assault was completed. I get in. Awesome. Feels really good. By turn two, uh, shooting phase is pretty much nullified because all of my models are in melee combat. So once again, this is kind of one of those like tactical things you have to assess when you're, you're playing any specific army. So for example, if you're playing a melee army like the Harlequins, you need to get those models into melee combat as fast, and I mean as fast as you can with wisdom and what I mean by that is you you don't run them down the field and give your opponent no obscurity penalty, no distance penalty. You don't just run face planting, screaming Harlequins. That's a bad play. You need to keep them in cover or at least run interference. So that way, you know, maybe one guy out in the front has no special bonus, but everyone behind him gets obscurity and potentially the distance bonus, so that way your opponent, it's harder for them to hit you, which means your guys stay alive longer. That's the most important thing you have to remember, is with the melee army, you need to get those models as deep into the field as you can, as early as you can, without losing a model, you know, as, as best as you can. You know, Hide them, you know, screen models for other models, whatever trick you need to do. And then by turn two, get every single one of those models into melee combat, because what, guess what that does? Your opponent's shooting phase is basically invalidated. And if you're playing like the Tau or the Imperial Guard or any list that's, you know, shooting heavy, tons of heavy bolters or, you know, just whatever. If you're playing a list that has high shooting potential, if you get your models into melee combat, two things happen. One, they can't shoot your models. Feels good. You're basically invalidating the points they spent on big heavy weapons because they can't use them. Two, now this is not the the average for 
the statement I'm about to make. But generally, generally, if a army is decent or pretty good at shooting, they're a little bit lackluster or significantly lackluster at melee. So, if your Harlequins, which are some of the best models in melee, get into combat with Imperial Guard, who are not well known for their melee, you're winning on two fronts. One, you're not getting shot up in the shooting phase, and two, you are probably going to be winning the combat phase. So it's it's a lot of hedging your bets. What is your army good at? Okay, then play to those strengths. Is your army good at shooting? Then keep your guys out of range of melee charges and light your opponent up. Make them come to you. Keep moving your guys around. Don't sit yourself in a corner so that by turn two or turn three, you're getting charged and you're getting trapped in melee. Keep moving around the table. Kite your opponents so that they have to deal with you over a long period of time. Anyways, I digress. So going back to turn two. Get all my guys into melee combat. Harlequins are good to go. And then we go to the shooting phase. Haha, <laughs> I can't shoot anything. What now, brown cow? So then we go to the fight phase, melee phase, whatever you want to call it. We start rolling dice. This is where you also have to be very, very careful that you don't kind of set yourself up for failure. So five of my guys get into melee and three of them basically instantly kill the Imperial Guard that, that's next to them. It's just like, you know, you chuck four dice, you hit on threes, you wound on threes. They have an AP negative one armor save. They fail. You hit you know, a D2 or D3, so they take two or three wounds and the model's dead. So, great. You're in turn two, you've wiped out two, three of their models, but you're deep in enemy territory and you're not in melee combat, which means if you don't get to go first on turn three, your opponent can move themselves away or charge you so that they get to get the first attack off or they can like set themselves up where they can shoot you with Overwatch or they're you know they they just run far away and they shoot you in the you know shooting phase. So you have to be very cautious that when you kill a model you're not prohibitively far away from another enemy so that they just light you up. So I I did set myself up pretty well. Two of my models were right in the thick of it, so they could just basically jump over to an enemy model that was like two or three inches away. So even if if they moved their full range and they advanced, the odds for me hitting them with 3d6 was still pretty good. Also, uh, you know, you've got tactics and you've got command points to reroll your charges and things, so it's, it's not really the end of the world if you miss. Like, you can generally get in there if you need to. So, start turn two. I go first, I charge his other guys with my three models, they get into combat. Um, uh, An interesting tactic that the Imperial Guard have that drive me bonkers, I hate it. They can fall back and then they have a, I believe it's an order that allows them to shoot in the shooting phase even if they fell back. So unfortunately for me one of my harlequins did not kill the flamethrower guy only gave him a flesh wound they fall back so i can't move i can't charge um i can shoot but my pistol isn't going to be nearly as good against a flamethrower if we're talking about you know the the number of dice that we're going to be rolling and the damage potentially to be dealt 
And it was just, you know, it's it's a really good order that if you're listening, you just have to be aware of your Imperial Guard brethren or enemies can fall back like the cowards they are. Wah, wah. And then, <laughs> then they can shoot you with whatever they've got as if they didn't fall back. And you're like, you suck. You are terrible people. You Imperial Guardsmen with your flamethrowers. I'm complaining because basically I shot with my pistol didn't do anything and then he lit me up with a flamethrower and my harlequin just melted like he died it was it was awful he rolled the d6 you know attacks he got six attacks then he rolls to wound all of them go through and let's be honest you're not gonna save those with a four up invulnerable save so i didn't and then i rolled poorly on the injury chart and i just i died just you know give it the pac-man sound effect but that that was that was rough that was a loss so i'm down to four models three of which two of which do not have a flesh wound to do um i believe oh yeah the flamethrower guy killed my combat specialist the one with five attacks so i have my zealot left and i have a um veteran which didn't do anything i don't know why i took a veteran i feel stupid he never took a flesh wound, so it wasn't like, oh, I ignore nerve tests, leadership penalties, like, woo, never mattered. Didn't come into play once as I hit my microphone because I'm shaking my hands out of frustration. Nothing mattered. It didn't matter. Oh, anyways, I hate when I take specialties and they just don't have any benefit to me in the game. So back to back to turn three. Um, I charge in, get my dudes in. He falls back, shoots my guy, lights him up. He's dead. So then we go to the combat phase. At this point, I have killed three... Okay, so we'll go to the fight phase. Um, four of my guys are in combat. I killed two more models. So he has killed two of my six. I have killed uh, three... I believe I've killed four or five based on the math. So basically, I've got four or five victory points... He's got two. And it's the end of turn three. So at the end of after turn four, we roll to see if the game continues or if it doesn't, you know, victory points and broken armies and all that stuff. So neither of us are close to being broken. We're fine. Um you know, we, we don't have my I I guess Dave must have had eleven models because he took five wounds, five models off the table and he didn't have more than half with um flesh wounds and all that stuff to check for broken because we we checked for um broken armies at the end of turn four because i actually did take some pretty heavy casualties uh during turn four so at this point like mentally i'm looking at the table and i am i am deep 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 in my opponent's backfield i i think i was like seven inches away from his um his table edge so i'm like doing the math in my head and it's like okay if i run all of my harlequins off the table I'll have eight points from the four Harlequins plus five points from the models. So that would put me at 13 points. The problem with that math was even though I had killed five of his guys, he still had six models on the table. So if he ran all six of them across, he would have 12 plus the two and I would lose. So in my head, I have to kill like two or three more models and then I can run off my my harlequins and win the game so we go to turn four and i don't go first and that 
really, really hurt. It was really bad. So Dave decides to run all of his guys that weren't in melee combat or close to me down the table. So his flamethrower guy that melted my Harlequin was actually pretty close to the edge. He was like 10 inches away. So he rolls, he, he moves, he rolls his advance, and he actually gets high enough. He gets 12 inches. He gets six for moving the model, six on the die roll. So he takes it off the table. Boom, two points off. I'm like, okay. I, I see where he's going. So I have to kill him. Like the models that are locked in combat, I have to kill them immediately. And his models are trying to run away. I have to, if I can knock off like two more, and then run off all my models or a couple of my models, I'll win the game. So I'm trying to mathematically set myself up for a guaranteed victory no matter what happens. So he moves his models as far as he can away from me, minus the couple that are locked into place. Because uh, I killed two, so two or, two of my Harlequins are in melee combat, two of them are not. So he's moving his guys down the field, trying to run as far, as, far away as possible. And I have to commit my two Harlequins to going into melee combat. Even though I'm basically running backwards towards my deployment zone, I can't let him light me up. And I also can't run my guys off the field because he's still got more models and he would score more points. So we go to the shooting phase. Nothing happens because all of my models are in melee combat. We go to melee. My guys who charged get two kills super easy because, you know, one of them was the Zealot. So he's running in with, you know, three ups to save, three ups to wound. He's got five attacks. Very, very easy. He just Harlequin kisses, just boom, guy's gone. My other dude has four attacks and he he gets, uh, I think he only got one of them through. But like I said, I got really lucky and I rolled, D th I rolled three. I rolled six on the D3. So Dave had to roll three dice for wounds, which you're not going to save. There's no way that character is going to survive. And he doesn't. So, boom, we've knocked out two. My flesh wound guys, um, one of them got a flesh wound and the other one didn't do anything. And then um, Dave gets to attack back. And the two models with flesh wounds die. So now Dave has four out of six of my models. So now I have to start rolling for leadership checks because more than half of my army is, you know, st shaken, stunned, has a flesh wound, or is off the table. I have killed more of his, more than half of his army, so he has to check too, so that's relevant. And we're at the point now where, um, what did I have? I must have had seven models at this point. I believe I have, yeah, I have like seven models, so I have seven points, and two models on the table. So he's got five models alive one of them has run off the table so at this point he's got four points in kills and two points in models that ran off so he's got six points total i've got seven points in kills with an additional four points if i run off the table and he's got four points as well if he you know he's got four models so he basically has eight points floating so we go to turn four we did all the stuff i just talked about Roll the die, it's like a five. So on a three or higher, you keep playing. Okay, this is like a critical point in the match because I have to, I really have to roll high so I can go first because I've got to charge him before he gets out of charge distance because if that happens, I've pretty much lost the game. So I roll my dice. We both roll seven, a two and a five. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay, here we go. I gotta, gotta stay focused. Gotta stay on target. 
Got to figure out what's going to happen because the way the dice were rolling at that point, I figured I'm probably going to lose. He's going to go first. So I have to figure a way out to just get a kill really quick and then run my Harlequins off and beat him in points. See what happens. I roll a 9 and then he rolls a 9. I'm like, okay, my heart is can't take it anymore. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, we, we tied twice trying to figure out who goes first so then i roll again i roll an 11 i'm like okay statistically i should have this unless he rolls box cars i'm fine i get to go first and i can charge him i'll be fine and then he rolls a 10 i'm like okay thank god that was close like terrible i felt terrible i was like what are the odds of tying twice in a row like okay doesn't matter gotta go for the win so i charge him Hits me with an Overwatch. One of my guys takes a flesh wound. I was like, okay, that is garbage. Especially, I think it was like a LAS gun. Like, it was one of the lowest potential odds to hit. And it, it hit on the six. It wounded. And I failed my four up. And I'm just like, okay. All right. Got to stay focused. It's okay. Even with a flesh wound, it's not over. I just need fours to hit. I need threes to wound. I'm attacking with four dice. It's not impossible. The odds are still good for me. It's a 50% chance. No big deal. So I run in. Oh, of course, I should mention, we, we took nerve tests, we're fine, neither of us were broken, nothing happened, we're, we're totally fine. So I, I charge both my models in, boom, locked in combat, shooting phase is completely invalidated, so he starts to run his models, trying to run them off the table. But because he, we were playing all of the games super deep in his territory, none of his models are close to getting off the table. I think his closest model was like six inches, so he still had to go one more turn before he could get off. And so we go into melee combat because I charged, I get to go first and I obliterate his model. So now I've got nine kills in models. He's got two models left and I've got the game. Like I can't lose because I've got nine points in kills. He has six points in kills. Well, okay. That, that's not true. I'll quantify it like this. I've got nine kills. Nine models are dead because my Harlequins did work. He's got four. On top of that, he's got two more points from the model that ran off the table. So he's got six points right now. If both of his remaining models run off the table, he has ten points. But if both of my remaining models run off the table, I go from nine to ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. So so I win. So now he has to engage me because I'm planning on running as fast and as far away as I possibly can. So we roll the die again, turn turn five. It's higher than a three. I think it was like a six. So we go to turn five and we roll the dice and I convincingly go first. And this was where it was really important for me to roll high on the advanced rolls. And conveniently I did. I used one of my command points to re-roll because I rolled a one. So one of them I maxed out. I rolled a six. So I moved 14 inches away. The other one I rolled a five. So I moved 13 inches away. And I was able to hide behind crypts so my opponent couldn't see me. There was no possible way for him to get to me. Um, it was like the game was basically over. So at that point, he ran his models off the table. Um, well, he ran one of his models off the table. So he goes from six to seven, eight. And then we roll to see if we go to another round. We do. And he conceded because we could both move our models off of the table. But I, I tell you the entire podcast of one of the games I played for the Harlequins versus Scions. 
Uh, the, the big takeaways I learned from that game, and I, I knew this going into the match, but it really cemented itself in my brain. D whatever, like anything that deals more than one damage as a weapon is really good. Really good. Really good. Super good. Here's why. Leaving flesh wounds on a model isn't killing the model. I don't care how inefficient that model gets. If it's still on the table, it's still on the table. It can take a move action. It can get into melee. It can shoot you. It can still do things. When that model is off the table, a couple things happen. You don't have to deal with it. It can't shoot you. It can't do melee. It can't do things. It can't screen. It can't be used as a, as a, a meat shield for other models. And if you accrue enough models off of the table, that makes your opponent's nerve checks horrid because they get a plus one for every model that's out of action. So when you're trying to not scrub out on a nerve test and you've got like five models, eight models, nine models off the table, if you have a flesh wound, you're going to you're going to be shaken. So at that point, like early game, you want to get as many models off the table as you can. So that way, if a model does incur a flesh wound, they have such a negative modifier that the odds of them being shaken are really high. And that means that you can just blow them to smithereens. You can do whatever you want. You can charge them. They can't do anything. You can shoot them. They can't do anything. Just kind of sit there and take a punch to the face. And that was something I've I've kind of been learning as I've been going along. But with the Harlequins, it really cemented like early game. Get like two or three kills as fast as possible. That way, if there's ever a nerve test, they're taking like a negative three penalty, or I guess a plus three penalty is technically what it would be. And that did actually um, become relevant in the fourth turn because um, Dave actually failed one of his nerve tests because one of his guys had a flesh wound, I forgot to mention. And because he had like negative six or seven models at the time, like there was no way to pass. Even if like he rolled a one, it was still plus seven, which would have put him at an, uh, an eight leadership. And I think his leadership maximum was like seven because i killed his leader turn three so it's just one of those things that you have to be aware of like if you can set yourself up for success and your opponent up for failure do it <laughs> i know it sounds stupid to be like oh you know do things that are successful and help you win games but i feel like not everyone is considering those things all the time sometimes you know you get greedy or you get excited or you're like i'm gonna shoot this guy ha 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 and you don't need to shoot that guy. You can shoot the other guy over there who has better weapons or who has a better specialty, like a special effect. Like you have to consider all of these variables. You can't just run in guns blazing, pew, 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 and you kill the weakest guy they have, and then they just light you up. You have to think kind of non-linearly as you're playing. So, anyways, the the game was amazing. I had a lot of fun. I do think this is a very, very fun scenario for anyone who wants to play a really quick game. There's a lot of strategy to it because you kind of have to commit early game to get some kills. And then you have to figure out pretty quickly by like turn two or three when you need to start running across the table. So that way you can get some models off to get those extra victory points. And it, it was a lot of fun. I had a blast. That was my favorite game of the day because there was a lot of give. There was a lot of take. It was never clear cut. No one really had a clear-cut winning path to victory until turn five when I had gotten enough kills that it, it you had to wipe me off the table to win the game because I just had way more points and my Harlequins could run way further and way faster than the Imperial Guard could. 
So if you're listening and you're like, hey, I haven't tried that. That sounds fun. Or, hey, I've definitely tried that. You know, I'd love to hear in the comments below on Facebook, on Reddit, wherever you, you know, listen. Just tell us a little bit about if you've played this and what you think. Because uh, this, this for me is a very popular one. I'm going to play this um, this match, this campaign set up again because it was a lot of fun. Um, I know we're kind of approaching that one hour mark, so I'm going to go really quickly over the Death Guard game. That was um, actually a lot worse for poor Dave because I just blew him way, way out of the water. Um, I got really good rolls. He got really bad rolls. This is one of the few games I probably would check up to. Um, just some really bad dice rolls for him, and that, that really sucked. But uh, Recover Intelligence, this is another one I'm very much enjoying. So you deploy in a little bitty triangle, as does your opponent, and there are five... Um, what are the, the terms I'm looking for? There's five little victory point objective marker things that you're trying to capture. So there's two on your side, one in the middle, and two on your opponent's side. And basically it forms like... A, you know when you see like a letter... And it's kind of like this little square and then there's kind of like this V right in the middle. That's basically how the setup goes is you've got four corners and then one objective right in the dead center of all four corners. So um, at the end of every turn, you gain one victory point for um, not well, you, you control a point on your side of the table, non-contested. You gain three victory points if you control the center objective, non-contested. You gain two victory points if you control your opponent's side objectives, non-contested. If anything is contested, no points happen, and the points are scored at the end of each round, and then you go to round four, and then you see if the game continues, and basically it's whoever has the most victory points. It does eventually turn into just chuck dice each other and kill everybody, um, but it's a lot of fun because you can play it really quickly, really concisely, and I, I really, really love this match. It's it's probably my favorite. But we've also played it like 10 times. So I've played this one way more than any other other ones. But it, it's just kind of this weird ebb and flow of give and take. Like, do you just rush through to the middle and try and, you know, get like five victory points right off the bat? Do you like stay behind and just kind of pick off your opponent's dudes and do deaths? And then you, you contest so that basically... You get two victory points for holding your capture points, and they get two victory points for holding their capture points, and you're trying to, like, blow away enough of their models so that by turn two you can take, you know, the center victory point marker, just all kinds of different things. But anyways, long story short, I brought um, nine Poxwalkers and then a bunch of Death Guard. I think I had four. I had the Plague Spewer, the Plague Belcher, Meltagun as my leader, and then a Flail of Corruption, which we'll talk about that here real quick. So, pre-nerf, Flail of Corruption is ridiculous because you just run in. Um, you, every time you roll to attack, it's actually D3 attacks. So, if you put this on a, um, a melee model, not the gunner, but the fighter, you get three attacks, and then on top, well, you have two attacks, but then if you have a, a combat specialist or a um, zealot specialist on the charge, you get that one additional attack. So you roll three D3s, which means you could be swinging up to nine attacks with this stupid flail, and that's just flat-out ridiculous because it's uh, plus two strength, negative two AP, and then the damage, I'm pretty sure, I'm looking it up right now, but I'm pretty sure the damage is like two um, printed here in the book. And, you know, a lot of people, this one I have 
actually probably do agree with the most for like Reddit and Facebook people like, oh my God, the flail is broken. Yeah, it, it was pretty insane because you could just run in and go, okay, just eat a fat one. So fl yeah, flail of corruption is plus two strength, negative two AP, damage two. You can reroll wound rolls of one. And then you make D3 hit rolls every time you attack with this weapon. So you, you put a you give a fighter the flail, you make him a combat specialist, they swing in with three attacks, you roll three D3s to see your attacks. On average, rolling like four on a good day, like there was a game where I rolled nine attacks. And especially if you're in melee combat with like multiple models, you're just like, all right, uh, you can have five to the face, you can have four to the face. And when you're swinging in with weapon skill three and strength four, it's pretty ridiculous because against like guardsmen, your strength is six. So you're double. So you have threes to hit, twos to wound, and you reroll ones. Uh, okay. So it's very unlikely you're going to fail. So you just kind of show up and you beat the, schnit the schnitzel out of guardsmen. You're just like, all right, here's a buttload of attacks. Um, threes to hit twos to wound rerolls of ones and AP negative two and then D2 damage. Like this kind of goes back to that discussion we had a moment ago about, Hey, if you force your opponent to roll one die for damage, that's not nearly as good as two or three, but two is really good because still there's a very high chance what you hit, you're going to kill. And with damage of, you know, printed damage of two before the FAQ, you you were killing stuff. I'm not gonna lie. You you just ran up and you killed stuff. You were just like boom boom boom. You're dead. Gone. See you later. Adios. And I mean that's pretty much what happened. I used my pox walkers as shields. Um, I used my pox like having nine pox walkers since they're like three points is just insane. Um, I I'm surprised they actually didn't increase the value for pox walkers. I know they're garbage, like they're literal garbage. These things are terrible. They they can't hit the broadside of a barn, but when they're contesting objectives or just holding down objectives, and you've just got these crappy little bodies that can't be seen holding down an objective, what's your opponent gonna do? Like there's nothing they can do. It feels kind of bad. Anyways, long 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 story short, we played a game. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Dave got terrible rolls turn one. I got amazing rolls turn one. I knocked off like three models in the shooting phase, like killed. And then by turn two, uh, my pox walkers and my flail of corruption guy were in melee combat. So I was able to lock down four more of his models. So out of the, you know, the, the 11 or 12 he had two or three died, f three or four were locked down in combat and he was hiding in his backfield. So I basically contested uh, turn one, he got two points and I got five because I had my two objectives and I flooded the board with so many models in the middle that he didn't want to move his guys out. So turn one, I get five points by the end of turn two, all of his points are either contested or mine. So I get another five, six, seven, I get seven points. No, I get, I get five because I contested, um, both of his points. No, no, that's no, I'm sorry, that's not true. By the end of turn two, I had killed one of his guys on one of his points. So I got seven because I get two points for his objective, three points for the middle, and one point for each of mine. So at this point, he has two points and I have 12. And then just went downhill from there. On turn three, I killed this other guy. So now I control every single objective on the map. He has like four models. I'm slowly advancing down the board with whatever I had left in my backfield. 
And like by turn three, I had, uh, what was it? 12 plus uh 12 13 14 15 16 17 18 19 20 i had 21 points by the end of turn three and he was like i concede it's over there's nothing i can do like he he just couldn't kill my guys because i was getting super lucky with my pox walkers having you know even though they have that crappy seven up save which i don't know why you would have a seven up save because it's worse than a t-shirt save um they do have that disgustingly resilient which is basically feel no pain and if I didn't save my feel no pain, my pox walkers just took flesh wounds. Like they just weren't dying. And it was really frustrating for him. Cause he's like, these guys suck. They're terrible. They have no save. They have nothing. And they're still rolling, you know, ones and twos on the injury chart. So crap. <laughs> so that game was a wash. And then I'll talk about my orc game really, really quickly. I conceded turn two because in round one, I brought uh, 12 orcs and I lost six. I was like, okay. Oh, we, we also played the same um, the same setup with the five objectives that we played with the Death Guard, just for the sake of time. And it was terrible. It was awful. I, I hid my guys and I, I ran screens and I made sure they were obscured. And Dave rolled hot, and I did. I rolled not, and I was like, "Okay, I quit. Uh, I lost half of my army. My leadership is garbage." It was kind of the reverse. Like he moved his guys up the field really deep, and so by turn one, I had two points. He had five points, and um, we got through the shooting phase of turn two, and I lost three more models. And I said, "We're done. I have three models out of twelve. There's no way I'm coming back. There's no way I'm winning the game. There's nothing I can do. I quit." And then we went to dinner. So it was a blast. <laughs> I had a lot of fun. It was it was insanely fun. I don't know how to more to describe it. Like I just I had an amazing time playing kill team with one of my best friends. Needless to say, that's why I do this show. That's why I talk to you, the listener. That's why I come every week ish and talk about kill team because it's all about that narrative. It's all about that community, that friendship, hanging out with people. I mean. You know, the previous episode, it was me, Danny, and Dave, and we met that random guy who I cannot remember his name because it's been like three weeks now, and I was like Kevin or something, and we just played games. Never met him. Never seen him before. I don't know if I'll ever see him again. I don't even know if he listens to the show, but the point is he wanted to play a game. We wanted to teach him. We wanted to have some fun, and it worked, and it was amazing, and I wouldn't trade that for the world. So that is the end of episode seven it was a blast. If you're listening, you're like, well, I want to get more competitive. I want to get better at playing the game. Start looking at your team compositions. Try and find those weapons that deal two damage or more. Try and find those weapons that punch through AP. Try and find models that have invulnerable saves. Those are a lot. Those are big things for me. As I get really, you know, as I get deeper into, you know, I call it deck building, but list building, army building. These are factors I'm going to start looking for because they're so impactful they're so important having two damage is insane having a four up armor or a four up invulnerable save is very powerful so many things um but there's a lot of other things i'm actually going to talk about as we wrap up and do housekeeping so once again we are a sponsored podcast <laughs> battle foam big thanks big shout outs to battle foam thank you so much for sponsoring the show check them out I have a coupon code. It's good until the 14th of October. So as of today, you've got a little less than two weeks. You've got 14 days. It gives you 10% off kill team items. You know, if 
if you want to help the show out. I don't actually get any kickback from it, but they do want to see what kind of traffic they get because, you know, depending on what comes through does affect the level of sponsorship I get. So it's really weird how it works because I'm not going to be like, oh, all these details, blah, blah, blah. But like, there's no money involved. Just put it like that. It's just kind of like, here's where you are. Here's what you get in, you know, credit and whatever. So anywho, I'm rambling. The point is I love Battlefilm and I think you will enjoy it if you're listening to this show keep protecting your models solid stuff also if you're listening you're like well i don't have any models or i need to buy more models or i've been thinking about getting this thing but i'm not sure if i really want to pay msrp i have an answer and a solution to all those questions you have in your head discount games inc real simple discountgamesinc.com they've got all kinds of stuff they've got war machine hordes games workshop infinity malifaux board games card games all kinds of stuff Obviously, I'm going to be getting stuff for Kill Team because I'm going to be playing Kill Team. Ba-bum-bum. Shocking news, I know. But here's what's exciting. I need the community to tell me what they want me to play as my next Kill Team that I'm going to be buying from Discount Games, Inc. I've currently got Orcs, Plague Marines. Uh, I have Harlequins. I have... 20 witches so i could technically play dark eldar or drukari or whatever they're called i call them dark eldar i'm never going to change that um i have space wolves so technically i have space marines or adeptus astaris or whatever i have um one kit of imperial guardsmen so i theoretically could i guess if need be i could get some scions or something and run like a guardsman scion list anyways i have those but I want to know, what does the community want me to play with my friends? What do they want me to experiment with? What do they want me to, you know, purchase and build a list with that's new, new-ish? You know, I, I don't count my um, Guardsmen as a full army, nor do I count my Drukhari Dark Eldar as a full army So for, for Kill Team. So anyone who's listening, leave me a message in, in a comment in the, you know, notes below, Facebook, on Reddit, wherever you read this or hear this, let me know what do you want me to play, and I will, you know, go over all of the responses and find the most popular one, and I will, you know, talk with Discount Games Inc. and pick up that army and start playing it and tell you what I think. Um, also, if you have questions or literally anything, if you want to talk to me, if you have questions, you want to, you know, get a shout out on the show whatever, let me know. Send me a private message on Facebook. That is the easiest way to get in touch with me because I'm always on Facebook. I have my messenger on my phone. It'll come to me directly. And speaking of which, that reminds me, I have a big shout out to Jonathan who does his own squad. Well, he does his own podcast for Kill Team. And I definitely want to shout him out because he's a really great guy. I think if you're listening to this show, you should definitely check out his show. So it's called Target Obscured. And his name is Jonathan Pal... I always get last names wrong, but I believe it's Palermo. Sorry, Jonathan. I can definitely get your first name right. I'm not sure I can get your last name right. But anyways, if you're enjoying Squad Tactica, check out Target Obscured. He's a really great guy. He has some really solid content. And, I mean, there's there's just a bunch of really great people messaging me all the time. And I'm sorry I can't shout you all out, but thank you so much for all of your responses, for all the questions, all the photographs for all of the discussion that we've had. This is 
This is an amazing community. I love doing this show. I love talking to these people. It makes me so excited. And I need to shut up because I've got a second episode to do talking about stuff for new people. So that is it. That is the end of episode seven. I love you guys and gals and scum and Imperial and Xenos and whatever chaos god you represent. <clears throat> Nurgle. Anyways, thank you so much for joining us here on episode seven. Once again, definitely check out Battle Foam. I've got 10% off. Check out the code in the show notes below and check out Discount Games. I am so thankful for their sponsorship. I'm so thankful for each and every individual who listens to this show. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for listening. Thank you for participating. We will see you next time. And as always, keep on killing them. <laughs>